Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. And bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you know that, uh, that we are living in uh, very important times? Uh, and uh, that there is, uh, I believe, a, a called out people uh, with a call of God on their lives. I want to start a new uh, series this morning uh, called The Lion, the Witch, and the White Robe. Uh, and uh, definitely uh, receiving inspiration uh, from from the great C.S. Lewis uh, and his and and um, and from the title of his book, "The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe." I'm not going to preach from that book. I'm going to preach uh, from the Bible. Uh, but but I do want to say that man, I love that book. I love that I love that series, and that and that it is about uh, some kids discovering that they're more than just some kids and that they're part of a bigger purpose and a bigger plan and that there is a battle uh, that is uh, taking place, uh, a battle that we don't have to run from, but a battle that we run to, a battle that we're not going to lose, but a battle that, uh, that we are going uh, to win. And I know that right now a lot of Christians are fearful and a lot of Christians are you know, worried and a lot of Christians are uh, discouraged. And at the same time, a lot of Christians are excited and, and joyous, and I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot going on, and, uh, and there's a lot that we need to do. And as the, as the people of God, uh, I just want to, uh, this morning, uh, remind you of, of who you are and of, of what that means and what that and what that looks like of, of who you are and the and the gifting and the uh, anointing uh, that is uh, upon uh, your uh, life. Uh, so, uh, so I want to focus in this morning uh, on on the lion. Uh, there is there is uh, quite a bit of mention of of a lion uh, in Scripture, and it would take us a long time to to go through all of those things. But thankfully, we have all day. We have a long time to. No, I'm just kidding. But but just let me let me highlight a few of these things for us because I think that they reveal some very important things about who we are and this morning I want you to remember who you are and and I want you to know what that means I want you to know the power that you have I want you to know the anointing that you have you know Proverbs mentions mentions a lion. Uh, uh, several several times, uh, a few of them that I'd like to to highlight for you would be uh, Proverbs thirty thirty. Uh, it's the easy one to remember, isn't it? Proverbs thirty thirty uh, tells us that a, that a lion is a is 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 a fierce beast, and that and that he retreats from no one. 
That, that he's not afraid of anything, that he is a ferocious, fierce beast, and, and he's not backing down, and he's not running away, and, and he's not going to uh, turn from a fight. Uh, the lion doesn't retreat uh, from anybody. Anybody ever you know, gone to a zoo and, and been face-to-face with a lion, that's the feeling you get. You don't, you don't get the feeling that this creature is afraid of you. You don't get the feeling that he's worried about you, that he's backing up uh, from you. You you are a little bit nervous even though there's like two feet of thick glass separating you uh, from uh, the lion. You're you're a little bit nervous and when they look at when he looks at you and comes at you, you ever had him do that? Like focus in on you and move in your direction even though there's this incredible, you know, secure uh, wall of glass or whatever between you. You might even back up a little bit, right? But the lion, if you come at the lion, the lion's not backing up. The lion is a fierce beast, and he retreats uh, from uh, no one. Now, another uh, verse in Scripture, in, in Proverbs, which, which once we understand that, kind of makes a little bit of sense, is, uh, is Proverbs twenty two thirteen, 13, uh, which, uh, which says that, uh, that the sluggard uh, says that there is a lion in the streets, exclamation point. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the streets. Or, or I, will be, I will be devoured in the outside in the streets. Or Proverbs 26, 13 says kind of the same thing, but it says that the sluggard says, there, there is a lion outside. A fierce lion is roaming the streets. So, so Proverbs points us to, to those that you know names the sluggard, but it, but it could represent uh, the sluggard. Often you know represents the the foolish and the and the fearful, and 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 they and that person uh, being afraid or unwilling to do the things that God has called them to do, and saying the reason why is that there's a fierce lion outside. There's a fierce lion roaming the streets. So you know, so we could almost say, well. That's kind of justified, right? I mean, that kind of makes sense because we've just read that a, that a lion is mighty among beasts, that he is fierce, and that he retreats from no one. So it could kind of make sense that if there is a lion and he's roaming the streets, that, that we might want to stay inside, that that may be where we want to remain, that it might be a good thing to hide in the security of, of the indoors, you know, and, and not go outside where there is a fierce lion roaming the streets. Especially if you add on to this, to, to these verses, uh, what what First Peter five says about our enemy, uh, the devil? Uh, you remember that one? Maybe good for us to just uh, read that uh, off of the screen. First Peter five, starting at verse eight. I want to read uh, eight and nine. Read that together. This is what Peter speaks. Uh, to now, now this is you know to us, to to the people of God, to the church. He says, "Be alert and be of sober mind." Isn't that interesting? You know, you know. Some translations say, you know, be uh, be alert and be and be self controlled. Uh, I think this is pretty interesting that that we are to be alert and we are to be of a of a sober uh, mind, uh, not not distorted or uh, or or in or or a mind under the influence of other things. Uh, because your enemy, the devil, right? We remember that we have 
an enemy and and that he is the devil, and this is what Peter calls him. He says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So, so here Peter says that there really is a roaring lion roaming the streets looking for someone to devour. That there really is our enemy, the devil, prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might uh, devour you know roaming the streets uh, looking for those uh, that he would that he would kill and 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 then you know 30 he says that that, that lions are fierce beast and that they are retreating from no one that that this this roaring lion the devil is is a fierce opponent he's a fierce beast and that he's not going to back up and retreat from anyone but then verse 9 says this it says resist him it says to to stand against him or or to fight him and and James chapter 4 tells us that if we resist him he will what he will flee from us. This fierce lion roaming the streets who flees from no one will, if we the people of God resist him, he will flee from us. And Peter tells us to resist him. James says you resist him. He will flee from you. And what did he do when he encountered Jesus? And they, and they you know, battled there in, in Matthew uh, chapter 4. At the end of that, Jesus said, Away from me, Satan. And what did he do? He awayed from Jesus. He went. He left uh, Jesus. He, Jesus resisted and he fled from him. So, uh, you know, so, so we are not of those who must be defeated by the enemy, who are devoured by the enemy, or, or who hide out in our houses uh, saying there is, this, there is this fierce lion roaming the streets and he's going to devour me and eat me alive. We are of those who resist him and we have the word of God telling us that if we resist him, he will flee from us. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. That we are not alone in our battle against the enemy. That we are not alone in resisting him. That we are not alone in fighting him. That, that believers all around the world are undergoing this same battle that we are facing. They are undergoing this same opposition. They also are having to resist the enemy, the devil. So, 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 so basically, you know, if we wanted to end early uh, this morning, we are not of those who are defeated by the enemy. But we are those who are if you will, lion killers. We are those who, who, when the lion attacks, we don't run, we fight, and we win. I want you to know that there is an anointing on your life to win this battle. There is an anointing on your life to not be defeated by the enemy. And that when you are winning this battle on its different fronts that, that not only are we remembering others 
but we are also uh, freeing others as well, strengthening others as well, helping others as well, uh, because we are winning the battle against the enemy. So, so let me take a moment and, and remind you of who uh, you are. And I, I know that you know this because I do it all the time, but I, but I got to do it all the time because, because one of the things that we can't forget is we cannot forget uh, who we are in Christ. So let me read to you Revelation, Revelation chapter 1 again, again, because we read this a lot. Revelation 1, uh, 5, this is going to speak to us of, of who we are, and, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, he loves us, and he has freed us by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So, so here we see that not only are we, are we servants of God, praise the Lord, but that we, are, that we have been made into, into a kingdom and uh, priests. That, that we are kings and priests. That we are uh, called to be kings and called to be priests, that we are anointed to be kings, and anointed to be priests, that, that we are not the king, but that we are kings. If you remember from C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one of the revelations that he had, you remember what he calls the, the four kids, you know, Peter and, and, and Susan, you remember what he calls them in, in Narnia, they're, they're what, they're they're sons of Adam, and then they are they're kings. They're kings and they're kings and queens of Narnia. Right? And that we are we are kings and queens of, of the kingdom of God. He, he's the king of kings. And we are kings and, and queens under the king of kings, and that we are also priests of God who are called to serve. Our Lord, which is the high calling and honor of our lives. So, so just to add more to this so that we believe it, let's go to 1 Peter again. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, you're you know, probably familiar with this as well because we look at this a lot. Because you're going to remember uh, the, the king call of God on our lives and, and the priest call of God on our lives. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people. God has, God has called us. He has chosen us. He has selected us. You know, so, so if you're in this room, you are chosen and called of God. If you're you know, watching online, just let me tell you that, that you are chosen and called of God. You know, you're listening on a podcast. You are chosen and called of God to be his people and to be a royal priesthood. You, you see, it's not just a priest, but a royal priesthood priesthood, king and priest, that we are royalty of God and that we are priests of God. Hallelujah. A holy nation, God's special possession or, 
or you know, another way of saying it, God's a, a people you know, set apart for God. God's special possession that, that, we are, that we are chosen, that we are God's special possession, that we are a people consecrated to God. That's what, that's what holy is. It's consecrated. It, it, is, it is sanctified. It is set apart to God. And not, not a normal person. Like I, I, know that, I know that you know that, but maybe you thought it in the negative way. And I'm trying to tell you in the positive way. Right? You're not a normal person. You've been chosen by God. You're, you're a king, a priest. You're holy. Holy, that just means that this is set apart for God. That's why like the artifacts in the temple, the reason that they were holy is because they were set apart for God. Because they're set apart for, for His service, for His worship, that you are a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special people, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. We are, we are a sanctified, set-apart, anointed people. You know, I, I, I put this scripture out, maybe I should have kept it in just for sake of time, but just let me remind you of, of 2 Corinthians 1 that tells us that in Christ Jesus, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, that all of God's promises are yes for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, and that we are chosen by God, sanctified by God, anointed by God, full of the whole, that God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, and that He sets and places His name upon us so that we are no longer the people of this world, but we are now the people of of God, not a people of darkness, but a people of light, royal kings, priests of God, kings in his kingdom, priests in his household, a holy people set apart for the Lord. Now, now that we've established that, I, I want to show you what kings and priests do, and, and I want to show you the anointing and, and the power that kings and priests have, and, and I want to break it down into just, into just two things. There's, I'm not saying it's, it's not more than that, but just highlight two things that, that kings and priests do. And, and so what I, the, the way that I want to do this is to, uh, is to look at, at three individuals who were set apart, uh, sanctified, and called of God. And the first one, and I may jump around on these, but, but let me start with, with Samson. You remember, every, everybody remembers Samson, right? Because this is like this incredibly unique story because he's like, he's like the superhero of, uh, that, you know, the superheroes like don't exist, you know, really, but, but one did, right? He could, he could be like a Marvel character, like, you know, Captain America probably don't want to mess with him. You know, it, it's, it's Samson. And, and his story is, is so in, incredible and, and it's so unique and so special. And, and it really, I think, very much connects with ours. So the story of Samson starts in Judges chapter 13. And, 
and it very much connects with, with our story, and I think that we'll see that here uh, in a second. Let me, let me remind you that Romans 15 tells us that, that these things that were written, these stories that were recorded, that, that one of the things that God had in mind was that thousands of years later, we would be sitting and talking about these stories and learning from them of who we are and receiving encouragement from them of the call of God on our lives. So, so when God's, God's playing out the story of Samson and having it recording, he's thinking of us at the same time. So judges, you remember that the kings haven't, you know, kings haven't, of, of Israel haven't come up yet. Joshua's generation has died, has gone to be with the Lord, and, and, uh, and so the Israelites are, are without a king, and they, and they do evil in the eyes of the Lord, and then they would cry to the Lord, and the Lord would raise up a judge. And he would come and you know, be, the, be the anointed one of God to liberate them and bring them back to the Lord, and, and then they would do it all over again. They just kept doing this and doing this. That's why it's called Judges. So Samson ends up being one of the, one of the judges. But, but this is how it plays out here in Judges chapter 13. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for uh, 40 years. (laughs) It's a long time, isn't it? It's not four, it's not four years under the, you know, under the reign of the Democrats. It's, it's 40 years under the, under the reign of the, of the Philistines. Yes, it's a long, long time. And, and, you know, and, and really even, there's even this, you know, continual battle and tension and, and difficulty that they have with the Philistines for, for years to come. A certain man uh, from Zorah named uh, Manoah uh, from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, uh, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Isn't this a, a, you know, a fascinating story? Uh, this doesn't take place often uh, in Scripture, uh, but, but we remember sometimes that it does, like with Sarah and Abraham and here with Manoah and his wife and, and with uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias where she was a barren and the Lord comes and speaks of the birth of John the Baptist. And there are, very, uh, there are, there are great similarities between John the Baptist and, and who he was called to be and who Samson is called to be. You're barren and childless, but you are going to uh, become pregnant and give birth to a son, uh, now, now comes the instructions. Uh, now uh, see to it that you uh, drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. Uh, now, now she is being told to do this uh, because of the son that she's going to have. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering or, or, or you know, other translations say like begin the process of, of delivering Israel from the hands 
of the Philistines. So, so God's going to raise up uh, Samson, anointed and called of him uh, to, to be the judge in that times, to be a mighty warrior and to begin Israel's deliverance from the Philistines. And we see that there is a Nazarite call of God on, on his life, which is, which is a, a, uh, a call of God to be holy, set apart, dedicated to the Lord, dedicated to God from the womb. So, so if you're interested in this, Numbers chapter 6 it explains the, uh, the, uh, the Nazarite vow that an Israelite could take. It's very interesting because they didn't have to take it. And, and, it was, and it was a vow that a man or a woman could enter into, and it was a vow that they would come to the Lord and dedicate themselves to the Lord to be separated out, wholly consecrated for Him. It, it, it's very, very very much like what Jesus has established through his blood and the new covenant. Right? We don't, we don't have to come to Jesus. We can choose not to. We don't have to enter into new covenant with him. We can choose not to. We can choose to, to live for ourselves. We can choose to live in this world. We can choose to remain in sin. It's not mandatory that we do it. The consequences are bad if you don't, but it's not mandatory that you do. But you can come, and not just men, but women too. Red and yellow, black and white. Each and every one of us, rich and poor, young and old, can come to Jesus and enter into covenant with Him. But when we enter into covenant with Him, something unique takes place and we become holy people, royal priesthood, God's possession set apart for His glory and for His honor. No, no longer some ordinary somebody. You see, the angel shows up and says, you're going to have a son. He's not going to be some ordinary somebody. He's taking the Nazarite vow, and it's going to be from birth until the day that he dies. And for, for Samson, it, it wasn't even like a, a, an, a choice. But the Nazarite vow in number six, that is a choice that men or women could enter into to be separated, consecrated, set apart, for God, dedicated to the Lord from the womb. Now, it also sounds very much like, a, like Hannah and Samuel, doesn't it? Where, where Hannah prayed because she was barren and cried out to God for a son. And what did she say? She said, I, if you give me a son, she said, I am going to set him apart, separate him. I'm going to consecrate him to the Lord from birth, dedicated to the Lord. So you can almost see Manoah's wife praying this same prayer, crying out to God, asking for a son and saying, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. I'll dedicate him to you. Now, I am taking some liberties there because that's not in there, but, but you can almost see that taking place, couldn't you? You can almost see that happening as she cries out to the Lord for a son to dedicate him to the Lord. He is dedicated to God from the womb. He will, he will take the lead. He's got a call of God on his life to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Verse 6, 
Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from. And he didn't tell me his name. I'm not going to get into this this morning, but Manoah actually does ask his name. And he says, why do you ask me my name? It's, it's beyond your comprehension. So he is actually very awesome. Verse 7, but he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. He's, he's, he's set apart, called of God, holy, uh, unique, uh, to, and, and because of that, he is, he is not to drink uh, any wine or, or fermented drink or, or to eat anything unclean because of the call of God on his life uh, to be a Nazarite uh, set apart uh, for God. Actually, if you go and read number six, not only could the Nazarite not, not drink wine, but they couldn't even eat grapes. It was this... this because they were consecrated and set apart from God, this high call of God on their lives to live uh, differently. Now, I'm not, not telling you not to drink wine or anything like that, but I'm just telling you that we need to recognize that we are holy, set apart, and called of God, that there is a high call of God on our lives. And, uh, you know, not trying to lay any kind of legalistic thing on you about eating or, or drinking anything. And we'll get into that in just a second. What, what we're trying to see here is the high call of God on, on everyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus and has entered in to uh, the new covenant that we are wholly sanctified, uh, set apart of God called by God, chosen by Him with, with a plan and a purpose for our lives. So then, uh, Judges 13 finishes out. I encourage you to, I encourage you to read that. It, it ends, Judges 13 ends by saying that the Lord uh, then, it talks about the birth of Samson, and it says that the Lord then began to stir Samson. He began to stir in uh, Samson, and Samson became stirred uh, by the Lord, started to realize who he was and the call of God uh, on his life and the anointing that he had. And then, uh, and then we'll just get into chapter 14, read a few verses here uh, in, in chapter 14. So, uh, so, uh, so Samson, he, you know, growing up now, uh, went down to Timnah, and saw there a young Philistine woman. Uh, Samson has a little trouble with the ladies. Verse 2, when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And maybe a little bit of a spoiled brat too. You know, only childs can be that way, I think. You know, if you're an only child, no offense. I'm not saying that, that, that has to be. I'm just saying it can be. Verse 3, his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman from among your relatives and among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. See, he's a little bit spoiled. She's the right one for me. 
His parents didn't know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines for at that time they were ruling over Israel. See, you know, God's, God's working and, and, and moving and, uh, and they don't know everything that's going on and all that is, all that is happening and, and God's still doing that. And everything that meets the eye is not all that's going on. God is working and, and, and moving in, in ways and in places and in people that, that we don't know. Verse 5. So, so now here goes, Samson goes down to Timnah together with his father and mother. And he's with them, but apparently you know, he wanders off somewhere or something, gets, gets by himself. And as they approach the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. So he's, he's just on a journey, and as he's on this journey, unexpected, he's not prepared, not, not thinking, you know, when we go down to Timnah, I might be attacked by a young lion. Probably thought never crosses his mind. This takes place suddenly, which is, which is kind of the way lions attack. Right? They, they do it suddenly. They're crouching, hiding, sneaking, waiting for an opportune moment. So here, for some reason, Samson has gotten away from mom and dad, so he's by himself. And the lion, recognizing he's by himself, alone, isn't aware that I'm there, he suddenly comes and attacks. Sounds very much like our enemy, doesn't it? This young lion comes roaring toward him. Roaring at him, you know, so, so Samson turns and runs. No. Look what Samson does. Then the, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. That's kind of, you ever had like the Spirit of the Lord come weakly upon you? You ever had like the Spirit of the Lord, and like when the, well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but there are occasions where like, there's an extra oomph of it, and, 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 and fear doesn't come then. Courage does. Power comes upon me. So, so the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he did what? So that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. So, so there, there is this man who is called of God, anointed, set apart. And don't you think that the, don't you think for a minute that the enemy's not involved in this? So the, the 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 enemy, the devil, who roams around like a roaring lion, stirs up an actual roaring lion to come and take out Samson. Finds him alone. He's going to kill him. This man's called and anointed of God, but Samson, filled with the Holy Spirit, is not defeated by the lion, but rips this lion to pieces, kills it, and, and tore it like he would tear a, a young goat to pieces. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. <laughs> So, it's, it's pretty interesting. You read the story of, of Samson, and here is this 
anointed, called of God, set apart, servant of the Lord God Almighty, with, with an anointing to, 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 to lead and to rule and to, and to judge on his life, and, and such an anointing that when a lion comes out against him, he takes that lion and he rips it to shreds, but then, but then we see him you know, going down, talking to the woman, and he likes her. Being a, being a little bit of a spoiled brat. And we kind of know the story of Samson, right? That, that it's not a perfect story. And he's not a perfect man. And he doesn't cross every T and dot every I. He probably had many times looking in the mirror saying, God, what in the world? How do you even, are you sure you got me right? Why in the world would you even use me? And yet there is an anointing on this man's life that when a lion comes against him to devour him, to take that lion and kill it and rip it to shreds. And I, and, and I want you to know that, that as kings and priests, we have a lion-killing anointing on our lives. That when the enemy, the devil, roams around seeking Jason to devour, that if he comes against me, full of the Holy Spirit, I, not, I, I don't run. You know, there are occasions, we got to use wisdom, but you know what I'm saying. In this scenario, when the enemy comes against me, I'm, I'm going to flee youthful lust. But when the enemy comes against me, I will resist him and he will flee from me. And the Holy Spirit on me and in me gives me power to defeat the enemy and be victorious over him. Now, now we, we see this happen again in the, in the story of David. You remember? When he is meeting with King Saul desiring to go down and fight Goliath. And as he wants to go down and fight Goliath, uh, King Saul says to, to David, he says, you know, no offense, man, but you're kind of a little guy. You're just a, you're just a shepherd boy. You, you can't go down and, and, and fight against Goliath. So this is what David says in 1 Samuel 17. Now we know David is 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 called of God to be king. We know he's got a king's anointing on his life. And, and look at what takes place with David. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Hallelujah. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine. See, we still got this conflict with the Philistines. Will be like one of them because he defies the armies of the living God. So, so now David is a, is a shepherd boy watching over his father's sheep. And he has such an anointing on his life such a lion-killing anointing on his life. You could say a bear-killing anointing too. Uh, and an anointing to, to come against anything that takes his father's sheep and rescue the sheep. And, and, and when the lion comes and gets the sheep and off goes the lion with the sheep, you know, what would most of us think? By <laughs> sheep? A roaring lion came and got it. Whew, thank God I survived, right? But... 
But what does David do? He, he's a shepherd, and there is an anointing on his life, and he, he somehow gets the lion, rescues the sheep from the lion's mouth, and then the lion decides to turn on David. Big mistake. Anointed man of God, set apart, called of God, and David takes the lion and, and grabs it by its hair and strikes the lion and kills this lion. So we have, we have David now also with an anointing on his life to kill a lion, a lion-killing anointing on his life so, so that when the lion comes after you know, you know, David had a shepherd's revelation. And as king, he kind of he reigned as, as shepherd over the people of God. And I, he learned that from being a shepherd out there in the fields over those sheep. And, and he said, he, he said you're not, you're not going to take my sheep. And I will lay hands on you and kill you before I will let you take my sheep. There, there's, on, this, on this king... There is this anointing to kill the lion that comes after the lambs in his flock. So then you have, so then you have one more. Let me give you one more story, maybe one you don't know. This is a, this is, this is a guy named Beniah. And he is, he's listed as one of David's uh, mighty men. And it gives the some of the feats of what the mighty men did. And, and this is one of the things that Benaiah did in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23. He's got a, a lion-killing anointing upon his life as well. Benaiah, uh, son of Jehoadiah, uh, who, who just let me go ahead and point this out right here, is, is a priest. Uh, so he is a son of, of the priest. He's got a, a priest anointing on his life as well. So, so I'm saying here, like you're a royal priesthood. I'm saying you've got a, a lion-killing anointing on your life. He was a violent fighter from Jebeziel, who performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went, this is so interesting, he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. So like the, the lion's down in the pit, kind of minding its own business on a snowy day, and Benaiah goes into his den after him, not on a sunshiny day, on a cold snowy day, finds the lion and kills the lion in his den, such as the anointing, and the power of the Holy Spirit on this man's life. Now, let me continue to read and we'll see a little bit about him. And he struck down a, a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Beniah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Beniah, son of Jehoadiah. He too was famous as three as the three mighty warriors. So it's already talked about these three mighty warriors of David who were famous above everybody else. Well, Benaiah was as famous as they were. And he was held in greater honor than any of the 30, because it's going to tell us about 30, uh, 30 more of these mighty warriors that would 
that you just didn't want to mess with. But he was not included among the three, and David put him in charge of his bodyguard. So here he is, son of a priest, and he is, he is in charge of David's secret service. He is in charge of David's bodyguard, and as this, he has an anointing, a lion-killing anointing. So, so just let me, let me bring these three together uh, for you, because there, there's three different things here that I want all of us to see, because I think the anointing of all three of, the, of, of these men resides on each and every one of us as, as kings and priests. So, so Samson is attacked by a roaring lion that seeks to devour him. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he grabs that lion and rips him to shreds. So he's, so he's got an anointing on his life to defend himself. And I believe this, that there is an anointing on our lives, that when the, that the Holy Spirit on our lives, that if we are filled with the Holy Spirit on our lives, that, that when the enemy, the roaring lion, comes raging in against us, we have an anointing on our lives to not be defeated. We have an anointing on our lives to be victorious. Right, so I don't, have to, I don't have to hide out and be afraid and not do anything or go anywhere. I don't have to run from the high call of God on my life. Right? I don't have to take Ephesians 2.10 and crumple it up and throw it away and say, you know what? I know I'm God's creation created in Him to do good works which He prepared in advance for me to do. But I can't do that because there's a fierce lion roaming the streets and He may devour me. I can't do that. No, yes, you can do that. Because there is an anointing on your life to fight for you. And when the lion comes against you to devour you and to destroy you, wine's not going to do you any good. Weapons aren't going to do you any good of this world. The ways of this world, the systems of this world, the desires of this world, the pleasures of this world, which can so intoxicate us and keep our minds from being sober like they need to be, those things aren't going to do us any good. But if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed of God, then we've got an anointing on our lives to not only win the battle, but to rip Him to shreds. I'm tired of Christians thinking that they're going to be defeated by the enemy, that He's more than they are, that He comes roaring in, and that He is going to win. No, He will not. I am a man of God, called of God, set apart by Him, holy and anointed, a royal priest, and if the roaring lion comes against me, I will lay my anointed hands on him and rip him to shreds. Men and women of God, you are anointed, called, chosen, the lion will not be victorious over your life. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hallelujah. I don't know if anybody in here needs to hear that, but somebody out there needs to hear it, and maybe somebody in the sound booth or sitting behind the computer or two ladies back there hiding in the shadows. I don't know who it is, but we will win this fight. I will not cower in fear at this roaring lion. I am anointed of God, and he comes against me. He will be ripped to shreds. You hear me, Ty? A lion-killing anointing on your life. The enemy will not defeat you. You will defeat him. Now, 
David, when we see the, the lion come against David, he's not coming against David, he's after his sheep. And David doesn't fight for himself, he runs the lion down and fights for the sheep. I love this one. Because as a pastor, I want you to know that there's an anointing on my life to fight for the sheep. There's a shepherd's, king's, priest's anointing on my life to fight for the sheep. And I want you to know as moms and dads, as shepherds of your family, that there is an anointing on your life to fight for the sheep that God has put in your care. As a father, I am not going to stand by and let the the roaring lion come in and grab one of my kids and take him off. I will run him down under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, seize him by his hair, and strike him to the ground. Praise the Lord. And as parents and pastors, we need to rise up in the anointing the the lion-killing anointing that God has upon us and fight for the sheep, fight for the children, not stand idly by and watch as the roaring lion comes in and devours the lambs. We will run them down under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and fight. This is why we've got to be the set-apart people of God that He has called us to be because we've got some sheep, we've got some lambs under our care that we've got to fight for. Isn't it interesting that Manoah and, and, and his wife were, were called and set apart like, no, like, like Samson was? And he said, he's not going to take any wine, you guys not either. Because there's a call of God on your life to raise up this lion killer. We've got some lion killers growing up in our homes. One of the high call of God's on our lives is to raise them up and defend them and keep the wolves and lions and bears off of them. And when the wolves and lions and bears come and may grab them, we run them down and kill them. There's a lion-killing anointing on your life. For the sake of the sheep, for the sake of yourself, and for the sake of the sheep. And then, and then there's Benaiah. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it this way, you guys. You know, it's not written this way, but I'm seeing it this way. I'll just tell you how I'm seeing it. He is the, he is the bodyguard. He is in charge of David's bodyguard. He is in charge of, of, the, of the glory of the king. He's in charge of the, of the safety of the king. So, so, you know, you could say it like this. Maybe Samson's got a... He's, he's, He's got a lion killing anointing to protect himself. And David had a lion killing anointing to protect his sheep. And now, uh, now Benaiah's got a lion killing anointing for the, for the glory of the king. For, for, for us, it would be for God's glory and for his honor that I will not stand by and let the enemy and let the enemy roar and rage and not be confronted and faced and fought. For the glory of God, for, for the sake of my own life and for the sake of, of, of my children and, and those under my care and for the sake of the glory of God, I will not stand by and do nothing. So, so you know, if I bring all this story together, this is how I see it. 
like maybe David was, was moving somewhere. He was going from one place to the next. And there were reports of a fierce, ferocious lion. And so Benaiah, because he is, he is the chief of the bodyguard, has got to go do something about this lion that, that would be near where David is passing by so that the king's safe for his protection and for his glory. So he finds him in a cave on a snowy day, minding his own business, and he goes in there and he kills this lion for the glory of the king and for the safety of the king. Takes out this, this ferocious beast in order to keep David safe, in order for David's reign and, and, and for David's glory and for David's honor. That's, that's kind of how I see it play out. Maybe you see it play out a different way. But he goes in there and he takes out this lion because there is a lion killing, anointing on his life as chief of the bodyguard and as, as, as a priest by birth under, under his father and, and kills this lion in its den on this, uh, on this snowy day for, for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but there's, there's something that, that stirs within me that, that frustrates me and infuriates me and upsets me and, 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 and angers me, if you will, against, against the enemy, that, that roaring lion, because it seems to me like he affects the glory of God. And there's a, there's a desire within me and a passion within me for God to be honored and for God to be exalted and for God to be glorified. And so we've got we've to face this enemy and, and defeat the enemy, and we can for the glory of God, for ourselves, for the sheep, and for the glory of God, we come against this roaring lion, this enemy who, who roams about uh, to devour and we defeat him and tear him to shreds. I think, I think kings and priests have a, have a, a power on their lives to, to defeat the enemy, to be victorious over uh, the enemy uh, for themselves, for the sheep in their care and for the glory of God. There's a lion killing anointing on you. Now, I, I told you I wanted to tell you two things. I'm going I'm to do the second one a lot faster than I did the first one. Because I, I just want to end uh, with this. It, it was very interesting to me that in, that in Numbers chapter 6, there is this this Nazarite vow and, and this Nazarite vow that is explained, which, which I've already talked about, is so, is so uh, similar to me to the new covenant that we have in Christ. It's, it's men and women. It's all who will. It's separated, uh, consecrated, set apart uh, for, uh, for the Lord. And, uh, and, it, and it speaks to us and tells us that, that we are not in Christ, that we are not ordinary people. We, we already remind, reminded that we, are, that we are kings and priests. It reminds me of a, 
it reminds me of Proverbs 31, that where, where we read the sayings of King Lemuel, and it says, it's not, it's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine. It's not for kings to give their strength to women. It's this, it's this reminder that the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son. The answer to my prayers is it's Hannah praying for a son it's, and, and, and receiving the answer to the prayer and dedicating to the Lord. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine. It is not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all of the oppressed of their, of their rights. It's, it's, there's, there's a, on the king, on the priest, which is who we are, there is a different call of God. It, it, there are things that are, not, that are not for us, that we are... We are called of God, set apart. We've got a lion-killing anointing on our lives as, as kings and, and priests. And, and, and we, don't, we, don't, we don't need or want to be intoxicated by the things of the world, but we must have a, a sober mind. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's what Ephesians 5 says when it talks about us about the evil days that we live in, that, that, we are to not be, that we are to not be drunk on wine, but that we are to be full of the Holy Spirit. And if we are, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and anointed and called of God, and we are, then we can, we can face the lion and be victorious and be the kings and priests that God has called us to be. But, but there's another anointing on our lives that is so very important and so very powerful that I want to I end with uh, this morning that also reminds us of, of how we are set apart and of who we are and, and, and of what a, what a power and anointing we have. At the end of Numbers chapter 6, it goes through, Numbers chapter 6 goes through all this Nazarite vow. And then at the end of, number, of Numbers chapter 6, there is, there is God speaking to Moses and telling Moses to speak to Aaron and telling Aaron, the priest, and his sons, the priest, to bless the people. Let me read this to you. Numbers chapter 6, the, uh, the end of it. Did I give you that, Scott? Did I forget? 22 through 27. And the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they put the name, so they, so they will put my name, the Lord speaking, on the Israelites and I will bless them. So, not only do we have an anointing as kings and priests to fight the lion, but we have an anointing as kings and priests to bless one another, to put God's name on one another, to bless our families, to bless 
our children, to bless our husbands, to bless our wives, to bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. As, as, as kings and priests, there is an anointing when the lion comes to fight the lion, or if we must, go into the cave and kill the lion, or when he takes a sheep, run the lion down and kill that lion who's, and, and save that sheep. And, and then as kings and priests, there is this anointing to, to speak life over one another, to bless one another. It's interesting to me that, that God brings this Nazarite vow together with the blessing of the priest, all in, one, all in one setting there to remind us that we are called of God, set apart by God, and there's anointing of God on our lives full of the Holy Spirit to call down God's blessing on one another. And I thought, what a, what a fitting way to end this morning than to just just bless you and to just bless one another. So maybe we could just stand uh, together and, and just stretch out our hands towards one another, just pointing at each other and, and reaching out a hand. And as, as kings and queens and, and priests, to recognize the high call of God on our lives and the opportunity that we have to bless one another and to bless one another uh, this morning. You're probably uh, familiar uh, with uh, this blessing. I'm just going just gonna to read this off of here. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and place His name upon you. And may the Lord grant you the desires of your heart and give you the answers to your prayers. And may He watch over you and protect you. And may He anoint you and, and fill you with the Holy Spirit. And may He give you victory in every one of your battles. Cause it to be, Lord, that when the enemy comes at us in one direction, that he will flee from us in seven. Bring your name upon us and bless us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me encourage you to to be a warrior and to be a blesser. And to go to battle for you, for your family, and to be a conduit of the blessing of the Lord upon your own life, upon your family, and upon others. And if we'll do this as kings and priests, I think we will begin to see victory in our lives and victory all around us. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. See you back here next week. We'll talk about the witch.